river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the Welcome to the TrackQuest Podcast. James Orr here. Bob the Bowhunter Borland, as always. We're over in Central Oregon at the North American Longbow Safari, hosted by Traditional Archers of Oregon. And we are have the pleasure to sit down with Jerry Stout of Vale, Oregon. Hey, Jerry, how are you? I'm fine. Fine, real good. Yeah. Uh, how, many, how many of these longbow safaris have you been to, Jerry? Um, I'm not sure, but I'd five or six. Five or six of them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't go to Canada. I don't like to travel that far. Sure, but sure. Well, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about Jerry Stout and, um, you know, how you got into uh, bow hunting and whatnot? Well, okay, I, I don't hardly know where to start, but uh, I grew up, I, I was born in Kansas, but I grew up in uh, Redding, California, and there's a little town of Anderson about 10 miles from there. It's where I went to school, and all my kids went to school. And uh, so, right out of high school, I graduated in 1955, and there was a fellow there by the name of Gene Barrett, and he became a very, very close friend of mine. <clears throat> and he had a tiny archery shop in his garage, and uh, he got me into all this, so it's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I shot a reeker then, I think it was a herders or something, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I knew where there was some good bucks, mule bucks, in Modoc County, and I got, got taking them up there, and then I moved up there, and so that's kind of how I got started, and I've been bow hunting ever since, you know. So you uh, you uh, alluded earlier that you were from uh, California, so you started, uh, you cut your teeth on blacktails, it sounds like? Yeah, yeah, I killed, even with a gun, uh, when I was old enough, 12 and started shooting rifle. I was hunting with my dad and my brothers, and we were hunting blacktail. Then he didn't have to go to the coast or anything. He hunt right there in Shasta County around Reading and all that country. There were deer all over that country then, and I killed several uh, blacktails with a gun and then started bow hunting. And, and I don't have any blacktail horns that that I killed with a bow to go with the, all these mule deer and all. I wish I did, but, you know. Sure. Didn't yeah. worry about that stuff back uh-uh. then, did you? No. <laughs> <clears throat> no. Yeah. And so you left um, California to Colorado before you came to Oregon, is that? No, I came to Oregon first. Oh, came to Oregon first. Uh, uh, with the government. I was a uh, government trapper, uh, U- uh, U.S. Wildlife Service, not fishing game, wildlife service in California, and uh, trapping coyotes around sheep ranches and so on. And I worked there for a short time with them, and this job came open in Vail, Oregon, uh, real coyote country. Still is, and I still live there, and I'm after them. But anyway, <laughs> they asked me if I wanted to move up there. They they transferred me. They moved me up there, my family and all. And uh, and I worked there out of Vail for several years. I don't even remember how long, but a long time. Worked all that country, and I had half of that whole county, Mountaineer County, and it's it's huge. It's miles. It runs from there, 200 miles south to uh, Nevada. Yeah. And I had half the top half of that county, so it was 100 miles uh, one way and 
probably 75 or 80 miles the other way. And what do you think the population of people are in that area? <laughs> well, the whole county, I don't know, but it's still only a couple thousand in Vail where I live. Yeah. And it hasn't grown. Matter of fact, it's getting smaller. Right. And everything in Boise. I live, it's only about 70 miles from Boise, Idaho. Okay. And it's growing terrible. Yeah. It's one of the biggest growing cities in the United States last year, but where I live, it's out in the sagebrush and it's ugly and quiet and it's we beautiful. don't have any stoplights or anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. And then, and and so I, I worked there several years and then they asked me if I would, would take a job in western Colorado, a trapping job, but they, they had a real important job open there and I did. So they moved me back there. Uh, moved to Delta. It's uh, by Grand Junction, and uh, it was. I had to move twice a year. There was a winter range and a summer range, where the, all the sheep were. I had eight bands of sheep to keep the predators out of. And uh, in the summertime, they were in the high country. The house we lived in was set at eight thousand feet wow. above the Delta, up towards direction of Denver. And you did you say it was horse access only? Yeah, that was that job up there in the summertime. Uh, it was no timber. It was root so high, it was all quaking aspen country, and it never been logged and roads made and stuff. And uh, from my house, I I towed my horse about seven or eight miles to the end of the road, and I unloaded him. And, and there was no roads. There was no big trails. You couldn't ride a four wheeler. Nothing. It was horseback game trails. That's all mm -hmm. it was. And it was full of coyotes and black bears, and I was there quite a while, and <laughs> and and I I killed a lot of predators. Thinned that them was out pretty job. good. That was my job. That's awesome. So, at what point did you get into uh, building your own bows? Well, after I retired from there, I moved moved back to uh, temporarily moved back to uh, Cambridge, Idaho, bought a little place in us, and then. I got a chance to sell that real quick and make some money on it. And uh, so anyway, I ended up there in just a few months or so, and I ended up uh, in uh, what's called Cow Valley. It's uh, above Brogan, Oregon. Uh, there's Vale, Oregon, where I live now, and about 30 miles from there towards John Day is Brogan, tiny place, two or 300 people. And above that is vast ranches and everything. And uh, I went to work. They're on uh, predator control and and guiding uh, deer and elk hunters for Gus Young. And I lived in Cal Valley. And it's a vast, vast, big country. Sagebrush. But part of this ranch is mountainous and a lot of game. And that's, that's where I was got to do most of my... While I was working for him, I got to do most of my hunting there. And so... I know going back to, you know, those olden days when not a lot of archery seasons had been established. And I'm, am I wrong? Or were you, a lot of bow hunters were hunting in the gun seasons and just using a lesser weapon? Maybe? No, not that I remember. No, okay. no. Uh, as you know, Oregon's a little different than a lot of states. You're either or a bow hunter or you're a gun hunter. But the trouble is, I think it's trouble out here. Uh, you try to buy, or you try to draw a rifle tag, 
And if you can't, then you can buy a bow license yeah. over the counter, which I don't agree with. But that's what happens around Vale in our country. Everybody puts in for their favorite bow or excuse rifle, me, tag. rifle tag. And then if they don't draw, they just go buy a bow tag and they get a bow out of the yard sale or a pawn shop or whatever. And they go attempt bow hunting. And, and uh, I really don't agree with that, but that's just my personal thing. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it tough in Oregon where you have to choose your weapon. And yeah. all the folks on the east side don't get a hunt every year yeah. with a rifle. So. Yeah. Yep. They just back up to bow hunting. Yeah. <laughs> So, mule deer are your thing, it sounds like. Absolutely. I've hunted, well, not everything, of course, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to Africa. I don't even want to go. <laughs> but uh, I've been to Alaska. My oldest son lives in Alaska, and I've been up there several times. I've been on three hunts in Alaska. I used to hunt in Nevada a lot. I hunted, I think, seven years straight. In the old days, you could walk into a store and buy a non-resident bow license in Nevada. Yeah. And the first year I went, it was $35. Oh, man. And I killed a buck that year. Just showed you a picture of him. And he's in the Pope and Young record book. He's not real high, but that book only started, I think, in 62, about then. And I killed him in 64, and he was 18 or 20 in the book. He was a yeah. good buck. But now, of course, he's probably three or four hundred. You know, yeah. Maybe, but, <laughs> right. Well, we. But been, I'm not a book guy. I don't, I don't worry about putting stuff in the book. We've been uh, looking through Jerry's photo albums. Wow, it's unbelievable. I, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I, crazy. Probably yeah. shouldn't even talk about the yeah. deer bucks we're seeing coming out of Oregon. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's that. So that was the '60s. You could just go buy one over the counter. Yep. Now, <clears throat> shoot. I mean. I've hunted Nevada several times. And yeah. Just to draw any of the tags, it could take you five or six years now. Yeah. You know? You just walk into the liquor yeah. store over there and buy one. What, what do buy you think? a tag and a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Good to go. Right. <laughs> my, my how things have changed. Uh, yeah. What, what do you, what do you uh, think about that? I mean, you know, through your time of, of hunting and seeing all these changes. Excuse me, changes in what? Now, did you? Being able to draw tags uh, where you could buy them over the counter before. Well, you know, of course, I'm I'm really from the old school, and I think you ought to be able to just go buy one, you know. Right. But I know there's too many hunters nowadays. Everybody, everybody wants to be a hunter, so they have to control it, or there would be 20,000 per county hunters, yeah. per se. You know, it, no, they, they have to control it. Yeah. But, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they let way, way too many tags there. I know in, in my country around Bale, oh, uh, my God, they they just they let more tags in there is total deer. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. don't I don't want to start a rant on ODFW because yeah. I know they have a tough job, but you've obviously been at it for a long time doing the trapping thing. and But I know areas I grew up hunting, you know, Starkey, Desolation, all those units. They give out the, the 1,200 deer tags. Like, there's not that many bucks there anymore for no. rifle season, you know. No, like, no. And it's unbelievable. So, yeah. But <sighs> it, it's about revenue. Yeah, yeah I know. It it's is. tough. You know, they, they, they got to pay the bills. I get that. They pay the bills by selling tags. And then they don't let us control the predators anymore. 
Well, so. why don't we uh, maybe get into a little bit of talk about mule deer and, and uh, some of the uh, lessons you learned along the way hunting these desert nomadic creatures and, and maybe give throwing a few stories or so on some of your favorite bikes. Well, I'll tell you, I'd, uh, for bow hunting, well, e- even gun hunting, I guess, I, uh, there's nothing turns me on like a good mule buck, a good quality mule buck I'd rather hunt than elk or black bears. I've killed lots of black bears, uh, one cougar, one antelope, on, 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 but good mule bucks is just it. Yeah. And I think I learned how to hunt them, at least in my kind of country, that sagebrush, open country, big rim rocks. And I've killed, several guys have witnessed me killing bucks laying in their bed Mm -hmm. in that country. This Chuck Perry that was just here that you met, he's been with me. Uh, He's seen me kill two or three of those bucks, and he's seen me kill three maybe four bull elk i mean close enough to see me do it you know so it's yeah. been a great venture so, and so what are, what are some of the um tactics do you think that have uh, brought you success in the uh, high desert with the mule deer get close, get close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. out here today on this range probably of course we were not keeping score so it didn't matter i could shoot anywhere i wanted but probably half of those I, from the shooting stake, I would walk up. I'd let everybody else shoot, and then I would walk up five or ten yards and kill it. Bingo. Yeah. And they say, well, why do you, why do, you do that? And I said, that's why. Look where that yeah. arrow's at. Ten yards, you know, that to us is all the difference in the world. Yeah. And, and these targets that are not here, I'm saying, but some places, they're 30 and 40 yards that's a no-no, and I won't even shoot at him. I'm not going to shoot a buck at 30 yards. Why would I shoot at a target at 30 yards? What's your what, What's your wheelhouse? What's your limit? 20? Or yeah. is it just a feel thing? Well, feel thing, but feel thing. but I'd I'd say 20 is max. Yeah. I'm a better hunter than that. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I'll try it again tomorrow. Yeah. You know. There you go. Guys want to yeah. shoot. Guys want to be a shooter. I'll I, tell them take your take your varmint rough and go shoot well and i think the patience thing is is key i think a lot of guys get to that range where they think well i should probably shoot but if you're patient enough it'll play out eventually might be the next day might be two days later but it might play you know it'll it'll play out if you're patient enough and that's that sounds like a good t-shirt you know 20 yards no i'm a better hunter than that (laughs) well you are yeah Yeah. if you can get to 20 you can get to 10 (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless there's, you're in the lawn or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. I got I got pictures. I got witnesses. I got all that BS that you run out of cover. I mean, they're, you're in sagebrush knee high, and 20 yards is still too far. And he's yeah. laying down. All you can see is his head and neck anyway. Yeah. Right. You got to get him up. Get close. And then when he gets up, if things are right, you can kill him. So let's... Uh Let's get detailed into Jerry Stout's secrets here. Let's, uh, <clears throat> so you, morning time, you, are you getting up on a ridge, glassing, and you're... At daylight, I'm up there. At daylight, you're up there. And you're, are you stalking bucks while they're moving, or are you waiting until they get to their bed? I wait for them to bed. And do you wait for that? Is it because of the wind, 
or because because you want them you want to know where they're at you know what i'm saying both like, both, both. The, you have to really watch in my country now every country i guess is different but in this high desert country, desert yep high desert country. the wind changes a lot in the morning yep and right at daylight if there's any breeze I'll guarantee you by 8 o'clock it won't be coming from that way. If you put a rush on a buck and you get to him at 8 o'clock, he's going to win and he ain't going to be Well, there. even I've found out 10, 11, 12 o'clock's iffy. Right. Until you get to that 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right. that's when you get the steady desert yeah. breeze. I, I don't you know? have as I much, agree. I don't have the experience that, that you guys have by no means, but I've yeah. definitely got the closest to mule deer in the – let, like well, one, you two just o'clock. wind is key. So, yeah. so that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're glassing. You wear out. Glad live behind glasses. Yeah. You're gonna have. No, no, not saying. Go buy you a pair of three or four hundred glasses and fifteen power and all that. That's that's BS. You know, but you're gonna have a good pair of eight or ten. Mm-hmm. In my country, I I got have nines. An old pair of Leopold nine power that I've had for twenty, thirty years. <laughs> but I wish they were tens a lot of times. <laughs> You gotta, yeah. you gotta have, but but whatever fits you, you gotta have good glasses, and patience, and set sometimes. And if it gets hot, find your, find your juniper tree and tuck in there, find your little shade, and you gotta stay there, and watch. And if you got a good buck and you really want to kill him, you gotta watch him for a long time. Sometimes it takes me pretty near a whole day to kill a buck. Do you yeah. ever wait? Till the next day, like do you get? Oh, absolutely! Few, yeah, give them a few days. Oh, absolutely! If it's wrong, back off, get out of there, because you spook him and run him out of there. He won't be there the next day. A yeah. big, big buck. Right? Are yeah. you waiting for? I mean, obviously a stockable position. Or do you want him under the rim rock? Do you, you're, you're, what are you looking for? Some any place that I figure I can get to him. I don't care if there's rocks or brush or junipers. I don't care as long as I figure okay, I can get, I can do this. I study that terrain. I might sit there for an hour and study this. And when I get there, and another thing that's critical, absolutely critical, you have to know exactly where that bed is. Mm-hmm. Not just think, well, it's right up there under the rocks. Because you get there, you go a mile maybe back around and make a great big huge circle. You get up on top and it's all different. Yeah. You look over there and you think, where in the hill is that bed? I've done that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. you have to know. If you get up there and have to look for him, you will spook him. Oh, yeah. They'll see you before you see them. Every time. For sure, yeah. Or you'll get the wrong position. So, so get, you're looking for something that just stands out. Right. A certain bush. Uh, a lot of times in our country, uh, a bush will be blooming or a bunch of flowers or something on top of a rim right above a buck. Just anything that you can see after you get there. Because then you know, okay, there's that plant, there's this or that. He's right under there. And if he hasn't moved, that's where he's at. Yeah. But a lot of times he will move. But then you're in trouble. When you start stumbling around up there looking for him, you're going to spook him. So will you, let's say you spot a buck and you know he's right under this juniper tree. And you sit there for an hour, you plant out your stalk. You wait till two in the afternoon. The wind's good, and you circle around. Once you get you get there, and he's not bedded where you last saw him. Are you going to back out? You know, are you going to slip in there and see if you can see where he moved to? Because a lot of times, the shade will change. They'll move, right. you know, five ten feet. Um, what's your strategy there? Are you going to wait it out or sneak in there? Well, 
I'll do a lot of looking. I ain't going to crowd him. I'll look uh, temporarily around there with my glasses, really, and see if I can f see him. And if he's a really quality buck that I really want, and I can't find him, I'll back off yeah. and look for him tomorrow or the next day. Because if you go stumbling around there looking for him, you will spook him. Yeah. I'll guarantee it. Yeah, been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's say you've got that big buck. He's bedded. You've snuck on him. You've got your 15 yards. You're in your wheelhouse. Yep. And he's bedded <laughs> down. Are you going to shoot him bedded? Are you going to wait for him to stand up? Wind's good. If I can see his body real good, I love to shoot him in their bed while they're quiet. One of the biggest bucks, I showed you a picture of that giant bodied buck after he was skinned. Mm -hmm. I shot that buck at about 10 or 12 feet right down below me. And he was chewing his cud like an old cow. I could see his lower jaw working yeah. like that. And I shot him right there. If I can't see him real good, then I want to get him up. Yeah. Then, and I've had guys say, well, take a coyote call, blow a critter call, and Eesh. say, well, that don't work because he, he look up there. He's yeah. going to look. It, yeah. And you don't want him looking at you. So I take what, and I've tried a lot of things. Whistling, I've tried, and everybody says, well, do this, do that. Okay, do it. But my theory is I take small rocks, mm -hmm. don't hit him, throw them off down below him somewhere and and be careful don't throw him where the wind's blowing to him because it'll, if it's close if it's just a few feet from him he'll smell your scent on that rock no and he is out of there i'll guarantee yeah. you that but throw it be careful about it and just toss it down there and you'll see his ears twitch he's listening he's concentrating on that and let him a little nervous think about it three or four or five minutes do another one do another Sometimes they'll blow and go. Sometimes, most of the time, for me, they'll just stand up. And they're looking away from you yeah, because you've thrown that paddle on the other side. Right. They're looking where that yeah. noise comes from. And I got my shot. He's right there. He's done. Yep. Yeah. And it usually works for me. Not always by any means, but <laughs> that's bowing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. interviewed an old-timer, Steve Byerly, the other day, and he said, nine out of ten times... Something goes wrong. That's bow hunting. Yep. So yep. that's a solid plan, though. Yeah, I've I've done both of it. Um, so y you've done it enough, and this is just me for my own personal knowledge, is you've done it enough, you'll still throw the pebbles besides waiting them out. Because there's a lot of times where I I get in there and I decide, I'm trying to think, should I, should I throw pebbles? Wind's good, or should I just sit here, even if it's three or four hours, and wait for him to stand up? Because I've thrown the pebbles a couple times, and it didn't work out. So, mm -hmm. but you're you're going throwing pebbles, not big rocks, just no, the no, and don't hit him, don't throw it and hit him, you know, I'll scare him. But <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I I want to say one thing here for advice too at this time and place. Uh, when you get when you see a good buck that you want, and you see him bed down in the morning. Don't approach him. Don't start right then. Mm -hmm. Because nine times out of ten, he will move. He'll lay there about a half an hour or an hour, and the the sun will change, everything mm -hmm. changes, and he don't like that bed. It's full of rocks or whatever. And he might only go ten feet, but he'll get up and move. Mm -hmm. And and a good buck that I really want, I'll watch him for an hour and a half or two hours, and almost every time he'll move. 
Yeah. And then he'll usually stay in that bed quite a while. So what time, because where I've been hunting, it seems like about 8 in the morning, a big buck, you're watching him, you watch him from daylight, about 8 he'll bed down. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, I got this talk, I got to lay yeah. down. And then, then he'll get up, like you said, about a yep. half an hour later. Yep. And then his final bed is at like 10, and that can be that could be 20 yards from where he was at 8, or that could be 100 yards. That's right. And that has burned me a couple times on that. <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so listen to Jerry on that one. That'll, yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Yeah. That's right. That is a true story because, you know, it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then even then. And then you might have to wait on the wind a little bit more. So So let's go back. And it's just a day of hunting with Jerry. So so you start at daylight, and you don't find that big buck, right? You know, you don't find yep. that big buck to watch him bed. Yep. Are you going to stay out there all day and glass under every juniper, glass in every shade, or are you just going to wait for the evening and find another buck? Yeah, I'm going to about, at that time, about uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 10 to 11, I'm going to give up and go to camp. Mm-hmm. For the for because I don't know where buck is, and you start just looking for a buck in in that kind of country in his bed, and you probably never find him. Yeah, you can't see him because mm-hmm. he is hid. He ain't just laying out there in plain sight. Yeah. he's in the shade, he's in the high brush. His horns are covered. You can be twenty five yards from him and probably never see him. Yeah, and um, so I go to camp. Have lunch, maybe have a nap and all, and uh, mm-hmm. shoot a few blunts during the day and get ready for evening hunt. Okay, so now with an evening hunt, obviously they're not going to be bedded. You're going to be nope. spotting them up feeding for the evening. Are you going to wait till the morning to go after them? If you spot your your buck you're mm-hmm. after, you know, you didn't spot him that morning. The evening you go out, there he is. Are you waiting? Usually, yes. Okay. You're just going to keep your eye on them. Yep. Normally, at that time of day, I can't get to them. Mm-hmm. They're feeding and they're moving. And the wind's yeah. changing yep. from, from the yep. afternoon yep. going up to the evening coming down or whatever, yep. vice versa. Cooling sometimes off. sometimes it'll work and you can get right in there and stalk them while they're feeding and, and killing. Mm-hmm. But uh, nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten, watch him until you can't see him no more and go back to camp. And have dinner and go to bed. And the next morning, you know where he's at. He's yeah. damn close there. Yeah. He, he won't be right in that spot, but he'll be right there close. Yeah. And be in startled. the same canyon, yep. same drainage, yep. whatever. Yep. Now, do you have any tricks on getting past the lesser bucks to get towards a, a mature buck that you've picked out no. when they're in a group? <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> That's killed me so many times. Yeah. But I'll tell you a quick story. I killed, he's in a picture. I killed one giant, I think he's a giant, three-point buck. He's got that tall horn buck. Yeah. He's yeah. not too wide, but he's, he's freaky tall. Yeah. And uh, I seen him the week before I killed him, and he was rubbing the velvet off his horns in a sagebrush. And I put mm-hmm. a stalk on him, and I got within about 15 or 20 yards from him, and he was just rubbing his horns terrible. And I wanted to kill him so bad. Be, for a picture that day because the strings of belt was just hanging everywhere ah, he'd raise yeah. his head turning looking that stuff was just going this way yeah. it would have been the damnedest picture in the world <laughs> and he winded me and he got away ah. i never seen him for a week and finally i spotted him again he had three little bucks with him that time first time he's by himself yeah 
second time he had three little old bucks with him. So I was watching him, watch them, and they started feeding. It was getting time that I knew they was thinking about bedding. And these three little bucks went off and bedded one place, and he went off down by himself, bedded in another place. Oh, you lucky dog. You know, I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you And lucky. when I got to him, I had to go around this under a little tiny rim rock pile, just not a big rim at all. And because of the wind, I had to go completely around between him and those little bucks which I spooked on purpose so they'd get the heck out of the way. And I got around that buck, and I got right out. I was about five or six feet from the edge of that rim where I knew he was, and something happened. He probably heard me, you know, he was walking in lava rocks, and this stuff, or he smelled me something, I don't know. But I heard him break and go, mm-hmm. and I broke and run over there five or six feet to that rim, and, and he was running away from me really close. But he was running hard, and I, I just wouldn't take that shot. Yeah. And about then, he slammed on the brakes. He just slid in the dirt, and the rocks flew, and he turned and looked back at me. Oh. And I killed him right there. And he <laughs> went down. He, he ran about 10 yards, and he was upside down in the brush like this. Oh. He was ready to Flipped get over. Him. Yeah, <laughs> dead laying right there. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's just been it's, it's been the damnest thing I've ever done in my life. You know? Oh, yeah. It's hard to kill a big mule deer puck. I'm still working on it. It is tough. So, well, I mean, I'd, can I'd, you think of some of the like small fine details? I mean, maybe think of any little bits or pieces that uh, things you've learned along the way that you know you feel like have have really made it so you get the shot on mule bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Everybody's in a hurry nowadays. Everybody thinks I got to get there. I got to shoot. I got to shoot. I got that. That's BS. You, yeah. know? you don't have to get there. You don't have to shoot. You do have to shoot to kill him, but you don't have to do it today. If it don't work, get your butt back to camp. And get out of there. Yeah. And leave him alone. If you spook a uh, young buck, you spook him. He won't go too far. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow he probably be right within a quarter half mile there. But a good quality buck, you spook him like that, and you ain't going to see him again that season. And that's yeah. all I can think about. I can think about my limited experience in stalking mule deer, and that's what it is. Like every time I think back, and I'm like, I got in a hurry. Yeah. I forced the situation. I moved yeah. in too fast. I got lazy, didn't take my boots off. Do, do, you, do you? What did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Damn right, yeah. I'd take my boots off. <laughs> Damn right. When I yeah. get on top of a rim. He's I, got his boots off now. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> when I get, when I I get on, on. on top of a rim and I know where that buck's at. Last time I seen him, he was right there. I know that. I get within about, I'm on flat on top of a little rock rim or rock pile or something. And I, I get within 10 or 15 yards of him. If I have a little backpack on, I, I'm not a. I never have a big pack and all this stuff like guys carry. You usually have a fanny pack. But I, I lay all this down. I take off my boots. In my pack, I have a pair of big, long, tall wool socks. And I jerk them over my other socks, mm-hmm. tuck my pant legs in. You can hear, if your pant legs are rubbing together like this, they got you. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. Pull them and then, and you can, and it hurts your feet sometimes. It and you could sneak up there like a cat, and he's laying right there. And I don't mean 20 yards. I mean 10 feet. Yeah. 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 And you can kill him. 
Yeah. If you don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do if you, you know, don't get the buck fever. <laughs> have you heard of South Cox? Do you know yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's quite the mule deer hunter. Oh, yeah. On the last couple, at least on his last buck, or maybe not. He, he'll drop before. his pants. Yeah. He takes his pants off because he doesn't want his pants to rub on that buck brush or on that sagebrush and for them to hear the. What did I just say? <laughs> yeah. 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 I know a guy. I'm not going to mention his name. I've hunted with a great friend of mine. I've hunted with him quite a little bit. And I don't care where he's walking. He just walks that way. Out across here, you can hear every step. His it's lead like bites, a buffalo. Just r- r- like that. Oh. And he don't know it. He's a bow hunter, and he kills a little game. But but he is the noisiest walking person <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. And he's probably going through life going, I can't. I, I don't know. Why? Why? How come I'm not killing these big bucks like Jerry is? <laughs> yeah. He like, hadn't killed on. a big buck since I've known him, but he killed a little game. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can hear him walking in a dance hall. I don't care where you're at. His <laughs> pant legs are just. Don't want to put no quarterways on him, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that little yeah. Fire. Uh, no, so, and, but yeah, just slow down and be easy and quiet and careful. So how, how about weather? I know that um, in, in some of my hunts, I've run into some thunder rain you know some big storms and it seems like the deer are up on their feet and they won't bed um are you just going home or do you what what what, what do you have to say about weather and and how that well, affects the, the yeah it sure can affect you but it my theory is, is this if he's feeding in a real good place and i'm sure i can get to him i'll go to him i like to shoot deer feeding but if not i'm getting the hell out of there and wait till tomorrow or the next and day. And how do you make that call? I mean, just wind, right? Yeah. Yeah, if if things are wrong, get out of there. Because like I keep saying, if you spook a really good buck, if you got a 180 or 200-inch buck and you spook him, you ain't going to never see him in a week. I'll guarantee that. Yeah. And what do you yeah. think? He's moving off a couple of miles. He's got a second, yeah, secondary yeah. Sure, orange. sure. Yeah. He's, the, he's getting the hell out of there. That's the way he got to be yeah. the way he is. You just, sure. you know, if you're you're shooting little old forget orange and stuff, you know, they're they're not that smart yet. But yeah, I've yeah. seen it firsthand, like putting a move on thirteen bucks, you know, with one mature buck in the group. Yeah, and <clears throat> you, you blow it, and they all go one way. The mature buck goes, "I'm not hanging out with them anymore." <laughs> yeah, goes the yeah. other way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. they're yeah. smart. Yeah, you bet. That's great. Heck yeah. So you, <laughs> what's what's uh what's the closest buck you've killed maybe you can give us that story the closest shot you give us the story yeah from from, from the beginning to the end i know you've killed like a million of them so it's hard to, the, hard to well remember. no no but <laughs> the, the closest shot was uh 10 or 11 feet okay and so uh one of the biggest bucks three yards four yards yeah biggest buck i ever killed in my life with a bow uh, he had a picture of him there. All right. He had tell us that story. For and me. he was, well, I told you part of it. There was, there was three small bucks with him feeding right at, after daylight. Way high country, big country. Same place within a quarter mile of where I had a massive, terrible heart attack in 97 and almost died. But while while you're hunting? Yeah, by myself. Oh, and nobody wow. even knew where it was. But anyway, that's a different story. We'll get that story yeah, next. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I seen this one buck, and I thought, oh, my 
God, I, I'd give anything to kill that buck. But he had three little bucks with him. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had everything right. The wind was right. just lucky. I just stumbled into them. So I waited, and I watched, and I watched. And pretty soon they started splitting up and going. So I knew what was coming. Those little bucks went off and bedded down off by themselves. And this big buck went exactly where I was hoping he'd go, mm. up to the mountain. <laughs> and there's a big rim rock up there. And then under it, there's a little rim, a little flat rim is in that picture. And this rim rock is only 10 or 12 feet high. Perfect. And he laid down right there. Oh. So I watched him for about an hour. He never moved. And I knew the country really good. And I knew exactly how to get to him. So I, I waited. I was watching the wind. And when it got right, I took off and I had to go up and around him, come down on him, get on that little bench. I can show you that picture of that bench. I sat down, took my boots off, put on my socks, walked over and peeked over there. He's just laying right there chewing his cud. I could see his lower jaw going just like an old cow. He laying right there. And he was 10 or 11 feet, not yards. <laughs> oh. And I shot right down through him, and he broke and run. And it's all in that picture, him laying there, and I took it back towards that rock. You can see that rock he was laying there. He run about 100 yards, 150 yards, wide open. Down. I mean, steep. It's just like this. It's just a cloud of dust and brush and rocks and flying in pile And he is a massive buck. Wow. So when, what's your experience hunting? You know, I know, I don't know about back then when you're hunting Nevada, but Nevada opens a little earlier. Oregon season, you cut a lot of these big bucks in Oregon. And you're doing it hard horned. Yeah. 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 So, so what's your experience between when they're in velvet and when they go to hard horn? Are they yeah, easier, question. easier to hunt in the velvet? Are they harder once they get hard horn? That's what you hear a lot of times. So what's your experience? Well, I like hard horn bucks best. I've killed both, mm-hmm. but, um. Bucks in the velvet, are, they're protecting those horns, and they just—I don't know—they do some funny things, and they won't—they won't go into the right kind of brush, and they won't—they're protecting those horns are tender and soft, you know. Yeah. So they're almost harder to stalk, you think? I think they are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. I'd rather have a little hard on buck, you know, that's settled. They might bed in some thicker stuff that you're yeah. able to sneak up yeah, to that right, ten feet. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, me either. That's a different. Uh, yeah. Definitely. What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. That's I'm, a good I'm, quote. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> no, but yeah. no, I I don't know. Yeah. But, but I've had I've had really good luck and I've killed a lot of. I don't have any monster bucks. I've never killed a. He's lying. <laughs> no, I've never wow. killed a monster buck. But I've killed a lot of good bucks, and I mean a lot of them. I don't just have one or two. You know, a lot of guys, you go to their truth room, and they got one or two, you know. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I got a gob of them goddamn bucks. <laughs> and then, and there's there's another gob of smaller ones that aren't up there in that room. You know, every yeah. buck I killed on in that room, I'll tell right. you that. But I got the horns off of them most yeah. of them. Right. And that's, I know all, where there's, that's all with a longbow. Uh, two of those I killed long time ago with recurve. Okay, but all, right. all traditional. Uh, yeah. And you run. Uh, uh, yeah, let's go over your setup a little bit. Juniper bows is what you call the bow, uh, your bow company. Yeah, but yeah. but it's it's really not a company, and I yeah. don't advertise, and 
I don't even want Don't push. call Jerry to make you bows. No. <laughs> I love it. We get a lot of guys on here like, yeah, make bows, but don't call me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, no. I, I'm i not in that. I'm 81. I've had a lot of health problems, heart trouble, and like I said, and on and on. So, and, so you and had a heart attack while Yeah, let's hear hunt. that story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Christ. <laughs> this is terrible. And that. Chuck Berry, you just met, knows exactly. He's been there a dozen times with me. He knows exactly where it was. This is big, wild, rough buck country. <laughs> I mean, this is terrible stuff. The top of it, you got to hang on to the sagebrush to get up to walk up these hills, yeah. mountains. Yeah. And so I was in there by myself. I partnered always, especially then, always hunted by myself. Mm-hmm. So I was in there, and my wife knew where it was kind of she'd never been there but the guy that owned the ranch this gus young uh there's a spring in there that they called tavern springs because the cowboys when they was gathering cattle and stuff in there they used to there's a big water tank there's real cold water so they'd put a few beers in that water mm, yeah so that's how it got the name tavern Springs. so i was right above there but anyway uh, I bedded a buck down, good buck. He wasn't a great big buck, but a real good buck. I wanted him, and I made a stalk on him, and I got up there, and I put on, on my, took my boots off, put on my socks and everything. I started to go, and I had this heart attack. I knew what it was because my dad went through all of this for years and years. I'd seen a lot of heart attacks, and I hit the ground, and I didn't pass out, but almost, and I just laid there in gasping for a long time, and that buck was right there under me. And I thought, i got to kill that buck. i got to kill that buck. <laughs> and then I got thinking, Jerry, God damn it, if you kill that buck, he's going to spoil you. You can't get him out of here. You're gonna, you might spoil before you get out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I laid there for a long time. This was at high noon. I looked at my watch. This was at noon. Mm-hmm. And, and like I say, Chuck's been right there. He knows this place. And it's boogeyman country, i tell you what. <laughs> yeah. And so... I decided I'm not going to kill it, Buck. So I laid there a long time, and I started getting a little better and a little better, and I finally was able to get my boots back on and stuff and got gathered up and a little bit, and I thought, now i got to get out here. I'm two and a half miles from my camp and my pickup, and two or three people know I'm somewhere on this mountain, but they have no idea where. Yeah. I was a foot from my camp. So I started to leave and I thought I wonder if that buck is still laying there so I and I started walk sneak over there and I thought I was really dizzy and weak and lightheaded and I thought don't look over that goddamn rim you might fall off there so I got down on my hands and knees and I crawled over and peeked over and that buck's laying right there uh. <laughs> and I just I picked up a little rock and I thought you son of a buck and I just threw it on him and made him get out of there <laughs> And then I started trying to get out of there. And that was at high noon. And I got myself to the hospital in Ontario, Oregon that night at 9.30. Wow. I called and passed out. And I walked and I passed out. And I, like, never got out of there. Mm. And I got to where my field glasses and my bow weighed 30, 40 pounds. I couldn't carry my longbow. It weighs a pound and a half. I couldn't carry it. So I, I come to the spring at New about where everybody that tavern springs mm-hmm. I was telling where the beer cans were and I left everything there and I went on from there it's about two miles from there mm. to camp and I thought well when I, if I ever make it to camp 
I'll be okay. I'll get my pickup and drive out. Well, when you're having a big time heart attack, you don't drive in a lab rock country on Jeep route. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like this. Heart attacks and arm movement and pumping rocks and stuff don't get it. <laughs> but I finally got to camp and I was just in a ringing wet. Mm-hmm. I was, perspiration was so terrible. And I could, oh, the odor, you can't sm- imagine what you smell like when you're going through this. Uh, it's different, believe mm-hmm. me. So I laid down on the cot. I had. Uh, had a wall tent up there. I laid down on the couch and rested and caught my heart really settled down. I drank a lot of water. I was just dehydrated, horrible. So then I got in the pickup and I started out of there. Well, it's this two-track Jeep road full of, it's live rock country. It's like mm-hmm. driving here, you know. Yeah. So I started out of there and it's about two miles to the highway. And I'm going like this, and driving, and I can't, and I'd get dizzy and weak, and I'd pass out, and I'd lay in the seat, you know, <laughs> and hotter than hell, and I'd let the air conditioner run. So I came to two gates. I had two barbed wire gates that I had to open, get through, and close. And the ranch owner later, he said, why didn't you, there's cattle in there. I had to close. He said, why didn't you just drive through them damn gates? I said, did you ever see a, pretty pickup truck that drove through a barbed wire gate <laughs> beside uh, the cattle yeah and the I cows finally, get out i Shit, finally got out that. there and got on the highway and then i made it pretty good i got down to brogan and i had to stop once more and rest for a while and i finally got home in Vail. and uh, my wife i was afraid she'd be gone doing something but she was there and i and she come out i honked the horn honked the horn she come out and i said I've been having a heart attack since noon. I'm in bad shape, so she got me in the hospital at 9.30 that night from noon to 9.30, and they said, oh, my God, he ought to be dead. This guy's a dead man. Mm. And uh, so they've they done all the tests in the world on me, and, and uh, they took me to Boise, Idaho for heart surgery, and I was so bad, there was so much damage to my heart, they wouldn't operate on me. And I laid over there for 12 days mm. before they would operate on me. And they told my wife, they said, if we operate on him now, he's dead. He's a dead man. He can't do this. His heart is done. Wow. And they, that was 20 that, years ago. That was in 97. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Wow. No big deal. And then no I've had, <laughs> but I've had a lot of trouble since then. Did you go back looking for that buck? No. <laughs> That's <laughs> <something big. laughs> so He wasn't that big. (laughs) He got lucky that day, didn't he? He he got lucky. I was going to kill him. He was right there. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to kill him. (laughs) Lucky son of a gun. So let's go over. You're building your own longbows. What what weight, what arrows, what broadheads? What have you been shooting over the years? And If it's changed at all. When I was young and strong and a crazy man, I used to do a lot of other things we'll talk about sometime before I started doing that. But... Uh, I shot 60, 65-pound bows, you know, when I was young. But uh, my best hunting bows were 55, 58-pound. That's the ones I killed almost everything with. And um, and I shoot I shoot grizzly broadheads. I've shot, I've tried, I've pen, uh, tested for penetration a lot of different kinds of heads. I've done a lot of things. I know everybody's not going to agree with this, and I don't care, but... Everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. But um, uh, 
I'm really sincere and honest about this, and I, I think I know what I'm talking about. And uh, half these broadheads that are on the market today ought to be outlawed to junk. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about all kinds of broadheads. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These, and and they're just they're they're junk. But my my and I've used five or six different kinds through my lifetime. But uh, grizzlies to me are unbeatable. And and I sharpen them with a file. A lot of guys uh, want them like a straight razor yeah. edge, razor yeah. edge, and I don't. I've tried that for years. I've back and forth, back and forth, and I'm I'm a Howard Hill, Fred Bear kind of guy. Uh, John Schultz, you got a good file. You got to have a good one, a pretty new one. But you you sharpen them with a file. I like that ragged edge on there. Yeah, sawtooth I call it, sawtooth mm -hmm. edge. You take uh, an artery will move a vein not so much but artery when you hit an artery it will move mm -hmm. for the protection of it and if if you got a, a razor sharp i'll say i'll call it a razor sharp body it, it it can it can move but if that's got those teeth on it you know mm -hmm. teeth grab things bite them it and jerk that and cut it and yeah. i'll tell you what it just nothing works better for me so you go all file, no leather strop at the end or nope. nothing. Yeah. No. Nope. File it in. What's your What's your file? What's the file you use? I like a a pretty big file, at least an eight inch, and sometimes a ten. Ten okay. inch, just a, just a, a a flat file, but a good quality file. And, okay. And, and, and you're running the single bevel grizzly. Yeah, but I sharpen them on both yeah. sides. Yeah. You yeah. Know, a lot of guys said. I remember one time Rick Hinton. Uh, he knew what I was doing, and he said, I don't like them because you only sharpen them on one side. I said, God damn it, Rick, they're my broadheads. I sharpen them on both sides if I want to. <laughs> and that's what I do. There you go. Hey, well, I don't, don't fix it. I don't care how the factory done it. That's not the way I want them. <laughs> yeah. Sharpen them on both sides. Yeah. There you go. All that's right. Awesome. awesome. And then uh, you shoot wood, wood arrows then? Yeah, I have. I have tried different things. Uh, I never shot graphites or nothing, but uh, I've, I've shot some fiber, fiberglass arrows. Back in the old days, we, for a while, we went through, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of them. They might have been herders, mm -hmm. uh, hollow fiberglass arrows, and, and they were pretty good, but... Uh, but now I've got a source, you know, of this cedar arrows. This yeah. unbelievable, and and uh, that's what I want to shoot. And uh, who's making those cedar arrows? Dave Hall in Payhead, Idaho. Okay. He furnishes. He has a contract and furnishes all cedar arrows for Three Rivers Archery, which is gigantic. Yeah. And they sell them all over the world. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, and I live about 20 miles from Dave. He's here. He's a very good yeah. friend of mine. And we do a lot of things together. Nice. Uh, he was with me when I killed that giant hog down there last December. And he killed a really good one, too. Nice. That was uh, California pig hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you said you're running the 125s? That's my favorite for my bows. And you run a 160 if you're set up on a, like a, on a wallow or a water hole or something Yeah, like or that. a bear bait, real bear close, bait. Yeah, 10 real yards, 5, 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, Alaska, I shot that, that black bear. 
what, what do you like for feathers? I know uh, Bob likes to ask that question a lot. Yeah, we get a lot of big feather guys. Big, Three, big four, feather. four fletch, five, six inch, tall yeah. feathers. What do you like? I like big feathers. I want the marrows to go straight. <laughs> and I shoot, I just made five to come down here, and uh, I shoot five inch in uh, uh you know, para parabolic or shield cut on your feathers? Yeah, usually, uh, usually field. Yeah, but but a lot of feathers. I have a burner. I don't. Yeah. I don't buy them. Young's already. burner. Yeah, yep. and and I I want a lot of feathers on there because I want that dude to go straight and yeah, you know. Yeah. And are you shooting fifty pounds nowadays or forty five? Forty five. Yeah, I'm eighty one and a half years old, and I've had so much. Uh, physical trouble, you know, and heart attacks and strokes. Well, you're only 81, right? So. Yeah, but <laughs> but I I can't shoot nothing. I can pull a 50 pound one time. I can't pull it twice. Yeah. yeah. So I'm down to 45 pounds. Sure. I don't think I'll tender any any. Well, then yeah, but I'm not shooting quite as big as games as I used to. I haven't killed bull elk with that, but. Uh, uh, this uh, year will be the year. Well, I haven't even hunted up quite a while, but I got an invite to go on the elk hunt for a cow only this year, and and uh, um, I'm going to go check it out and look at it this summer. Yeah. And I might do that. Heck yeah. And the guy, it's a it's a ranch, and uh, I've known this kid a long, long time, and he thinks I can kill one there. Sweet. He said there's quite a lot of elk there, and he said uh, there's only two places on this ranch that's got water, that the milk and water. So I said, oh, boy, that's a <laughs> lookout. Yeah, that's a good good shot there. Yeah. So I'm going to go check it out. So what? Uh, <clears throat> what do you? how do you feel about bow hunting uh, in 2018? I mean, did you, did you see things going the way they are now? Um, you know, 25 years ago, and what's your opinion on where things are today and how and how things are? Happening? Well, it's getting really tough in my country. Is all I know about. You know, I don't know about a big country, but there in eastern Oregon, uh, we don't even have hell a third of the deer that we had 10 years ago. Why uh, do you Why do you think that is? What's hunting pressure and winters? We had a couple winters. The year before last was devastating. There, we had four yeah. feet of snow in Bale, Oregon, on yeah. top of my house, on top of everything. Yeah. And and I mean, we had a winter kill, and it goddamn near annihilated the antelope. There's hardly no antelope left. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it really killed it there. I, that spring, I was after some coyotes for a rancher, and I I found so many deer carcasses it was just unbelievable wow i yeah. know this is off the side but how many coyotes do you think you've uh taken out in your day jerry i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> not even a ballpark huh there one time i i when i was with the government you know and at one time, yeah, you know, was years ago, and I tallied up, and there was over 2,500 
that had killed then, and then I worked for several more years than that. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I got hundreds of hours flying in the wintertime, helicopter and super cubs, gunning yeah. coyotes, you know, and and trapping and snaring. Yeah. And uh, I can really, really snare coyotes. And that's that's no bow. I, yeah. And when I started with the government, I didn't know how to set a snare. But I self-taught and everything. Came the and, master. Well, and uh, the deer appreciate you. Thank you. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I really can. I still am working for a guy, one guy, yeah. rancher over there, that, and I snare a lot of coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> how how are the lions doing in your country? They're getting thicker and thicker. Yeah, we can't run with dogs anymore, right. and everything. And uh, this rancher I was just referring to, where I do the predator work. Last year there was three or four really nice, not huge bucks, but really nice bow bucks in there, and I was seeing all the time, and I had them figured and where they're feeding, coming and going, and everything. And the week before bow season opens, a damn cougar moved in there. And he probably killed a few deer. I don't know. No, I can't say that. I found some carcasses later, but I don't. I can't prove that he killed them. But anyway, those deer left. And when bow season opens, all of bow season, I seen one doe on that property. Wow. And close to there, and I have another little place that I hunt some, and I seen one doe and one buck. All the bow season last year, I seen one buck. Mm. Next to the last day, right at dark, I seen a buck. And he went me, and God, I never got a shot in. And there used to be 15 or 20 in there, you know. Yeah, yeah so you probably never even imagined Oregon having the predator problem that we have today. Mm-mm. No, and and in places it's going to get worse. Lake County, for I don't know how long, three or four years, or I'm not sure of that, but Lake County, Oregon, right above Lakeview and down in Mm -hmm. there, and that's coyote capital of Oregon, and they haven't had a government trap in there for three or four or five years, Mm -hmm. and that that is going to get ugly. Thanks. You know, everybody, every rancher, every hunter, everybody tries to kill a coyote, you know that. But without the aerial control and the 1080 poison control and just on and on and on, you know. uh, Can't stay on top of them. No. Yeah. So getting back into the mule deer, um, you know, in your heyday, how much... What does scouting look like? Are you are you out there in the summer really trying to pinpoint some core areas of these mature bucks? Uh, are you relying on areas where you've killed big bucks for big bucks to, to circle yeah. back into those areas? Yeah, I rely on old times. I don't do hardly any scouting. I uh-huh. know where them bucks are. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. you take a big buck out of an area, usually he's replaced within the next year. Oh, too. yeah. There's already three or four others in there. You know, I take one and leave the others, and I do very little scouting. Yeah. Unless I'm in a new area, I don't know. Then that's if you get into your area and you're and you see um, other hunters, are you moving to? Are you scrapping that for the season and moving to another area, or how how do you deal with? If the pressure? I possibly can, I don't like other hunters. <laughs> when you're bow hunting, you can't yeah. put up with people. 
And it's a time, tough thing about time and time again, just when you're critical and you're ready to do something for a big old buck, some clown comes walking along, going the wrong, wrong way in the wind, and the skyline on the rim and whatever. And Too it's, much work. It's yeah. your whole season, yeah. It's done. Yeah. yeah. You can't tolerate that. Yeah. So, and Bob had alluded to, um, uh, we, we were talking hardhorn bucks versus velvet bucks in an Oregon. Our season starts, you know, the last couple of days of August. They're usually right before they rub out. Um, is the hunt tougher, say, instead of like that first few days of August, that towards the end of September? I mean, they've been hardhorn for weeks on end and had a little pressure. I mean, is there tactics that change or... Are you relying on getting them right when they rub out, or it doesn't matter to you? Much? Well, it really doesn't matter, but, but I'd rather hunt hard-on bucks. You know, uh, they're more predictable to me. I can I can handle, I can do more with uh, a buck that's already through all of that horn problem. Okay. Have, yeah. Do you have any experience, because I know in Oregon it's limited, do you have any experience in hunting mule deer in the month of November during the rut? I've never tried it. Never tried it. No. Yeah. I just hunt bow season. That's yeah. All. Yeah, because it's pretty limited our opportunity for that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, awesome. And I, you know, I don't like to kill bucks in the rut anyway, you know. I want to breed those. Right. And they're not fine eating. I like to eat good mule deer. Sure. And uh, when they're in the rut, they're not good eating. Yeah. Uh, you killed, looking through your album, you killed a really cool, non-typical, I think he was a 9 by 3 or or mm -hmm. so, really cool-looking buck. Can you give us the story on, on him and how that unfolded? Yeah, it's very simple. Uh, uh, same country, same big buck country up there. And one morning, or after daylight, I spotted those five or six bucks together. And there were some good ones, but he was, of course, the best. And they were feeding and I had the wind right, so I just followed them, and they were moving a lot. And I had to go a couple ridges, and I was watching them with my glasses, and the day kept getting longer and longer and longer. And pretty soon, they went off. They started scattering just a little bit and heading up to the top in this rim country. And I knew then they were going to go bed down. So I was perfect. Everything was perfect. The wind, everything. So I stayed back. I was back four or 500 yards, and I was watching these bucks. And they did that, and they went and they bedded, and they bedded, and they scattered around. And this big buck that I wanted bedded down in a good-looking place. So I had to wait for the wind to change. I had to wait, and sometime, I don't know, I'll say noon or 1 o'clock or something, things got right. And I had to go all the way around, you know, a couple miles to get around. I went back and got my pickup and drove in another road, jeep road, and went around, got on top and come out there and and got out there and did the boot off and sneaking thing and everything and peeked over the rim and he was laying right there, right there. And I shot right down through him and he, he broke and run downhill and I seen him go. I only got one lung on him instead of both and and he run downhill he probably run a couple hundred yards and i see him lay down under a juniper tree so i waited a while and then i went around to get the wind right again and i went in there 
and I probably shouldn't, but I did, and I jumped him. I see him jump and go. He was running downhill, and I knew he was in bad trouble. He was running bad. And uh, the next time I found him, he was dead. Hmm. He went another two or 300 yards and, and died. But he died right by the Jeep road. Perfect. So you scared him back to the road. That's a and smart I, man. And I went <laughs> back and got my pickup, and I drove right to him. I backed, I backed right up to him and uh, loaded him up and got out of there. Well, that sounds like a great hunt. So does elevation, does that play a role in choosing a hunting area uh, in the high desert? Well, I don't think probably so, but but I like it the higher better because of the, it's a little cooler. You know, it's it's right. always hot, warm, real warm days during most of you know, first September, last August, first September, you know. Do you like the steeper country versus the flatter yeah, country? Yeah, no, I like rough, deep country. That's where them get bucks are at. Yeah. And, and do you find um, them bedding under rim rock? Um, a typical uh, uh, behavior, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they're hunting shade. They're hot too. Right. And they're hunting shade, and they're they will lay out in the sagebrush, but only if it's big high brush and it's big. Through the years, they dig out big old beds. I've I've actually been walking through that sagebrush country and not be able to see a big buck bed on the other side of this brush and step off in it and fall down there. It might be three feet deep. Right. And you don't even know it's there. So if a buck lays down in there in the shade, he's pretty comfortable, but you've never seen him. I've seen him in those, like, mahogany points yep. with the rim rock <laughs> around them at those deep beds, and, yep. they're, and they're buried down in them. And it seems like they have escapement 360. So That's why you're not going to move in. Yeah, you're not <laughs> moving in on them. No. It's just not happening. That's why they're there. Yeah. Um, and so if you see a buck like that, I imagine you would want to, if he was worth it, you would want to keep your eye on him for the next day or two and get him to to move into a, a better right. area. I'd watch him for two or three hours, but if he didn't move to a better place, I'd leave him alone. I'd get out of there. Yeah, and, and maybe assume you can find him somewhere better tomorrow. Yeah, he, if you don't spook him, he ain't going too far, you know. Right. But if you spook him, well, you're in trouble. You know, so. Yeah. Well, do you have, um, can you think of any other uh, advice you'd give to the up-and-coming uh, traditional mule deer hunter? Yeah, slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Wise words of wisdom. Start like learning to hunt like a bow hunter, not a gunner. You, you cannot hunt mule bucks with a bow and arrow with a gun hunter attitude. You cannot do it. It will not work. You might kill a little, little buck once out of five years or something but you're not going to kill be consistent and kill big bucks yeah. i like that we're marv, marv clinky is is a good example of that yeah I, I don't know marv real personal but i've met him a couple times he invited me to go colorado hunt buck hunting with him one time in that country i met him in ontario oregon at a big uh, bow seminar shoot deal mm -hmm. and all and his wife uh judy but I didn't go because it right when I was having a bad heart trouble. And I yeah. told him, Marv, I'm afraid I'll ruin your hunt. We get up in that above timberline, like he hunts. You know, 
when you think about more clinky. We've, oh, had, yeah. we've actually interviewed him twice. Oh, uh, really? He, okay. I have yet to meet him, but he's probably one of my favorite individuals. Yeah, yeah. He is. A, he's a great guy. And so, but uh, I hate to say, Marvel, I can't, I'm not going to go with you. And he, if partner begging, said, come on, Jerry, goddamn it, you can do it. I said, <laughs> but if I don't, I'll ruin your entire yeah, trip, you know, yeah. and I wouldn't do that to him, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. But those, those kind of guys are, they're awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're, it was all the, it all kind of just blends together. I don't know if it was before the podcast or once we got recording, but we asked, uh, Jerry about a shot distance uh, and he said 20 yards I'm a better hunter than yeah, that yeah, during, <laughs> yeah. During, yeah, during the podcast well yeah, yeah you know yeah. yeah I love that you gotta be if you're shooting a bow any bow should be that way but the compounders abuse it they they try for distance they are, I know a bunch of personal friends of mine and they they shoot terrible distance yeah but if you're any kind of bow hunter, and especially our kind of bow hunter, you got to get close mm-hmm. to do it right. Sure, we can. You know, any of us could kill a buck at sixty or seventy yards. It our bows are good, our arrows are good, but we can't hit him. <laughs> yeah, we can't do it. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they can't either. Most time, they they make you think they can. They can yeah. stand out here on the lawn with their thongs on and a pair of shorts in the backyard drinking beer. And and do anything, but hunt condition. I can take them to where I was telling you in that w- rough, rough buck country, where you can't go without a stick. Like you see me today with that walk stick. Yeah. I've been using one of them for twenty, twenty-five years, and you can't get in or in or out without. It. And hang on to the brush to pull yourself up. And those those guys can't shoot like that. You take them guys shooting 50 60 yards and make them take a shot like that and they can't even scare that son of a bitch yeah <laughs> no that's right yeah, yeah. yeah it's a fact no it's just no bullshit man they can't do it i love it i love it that's great and, and they gotta you gotta learn to hunt different and you gotta get close and then it's easy you get near that wall or something, buddy. It's all done <laughs> i'll tell you yeah 10 feet and then yeah. game over yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got you got anything? I showed them guys that today on this range, and and I had a good group was, and, and we we're talking a lot about it, and a lot of those stakes are way too far, so they'd shoot, and I said okay, and maybe I'd shoot some of them, but then I said now I'll show you something, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat ten yards, and that's not very far, yeah, but I'd walk up ten yards, and I say I'm gonna hit that ten ring right there. You see that ten ring? Whack! It's just but move back 10 yards, you probably ain't going to hit that 10. Yeah. You might, but you can't guarantee it. Yeah. Right, right. you got to be close. Yeah. Yeah. Closer the better. That's what I always That's say. That's right. Yeah. Wise words of wisdom right there. You got anything in closing, Bob? No, man. I just I could talk to you all day. I appreciate your time. I got awesome. a lot more things to say someday if you ever want to Hell, see heck yeah, we <laughs> we got to get over to Vale, and uh, I, I we posted a picture on our Instagram at Jerry's place there, but we got to just go over and hang out at his place and do another one of these. It'd be epic. So yeah, we've got to make it. Do you, you got anything to say in closing, Jerry? Well, I'd like to say one thing. Yeah, you know how much I, I appreciate all this, but uh, this opened to everybody that that is or wants to be a traditional bow shooter uh 
if you're ever, <coughs> excuse me, coming through Vail, call me two or three days ahead of time. Jerry Stout, Vail phone book. I'm in the phone book, same number I've had for 30, 40 years. <laughs> and come by and visit with me and look at my stuff. I'm, I don't have the greatest trophy room. I don't have the most but I got a bunch of stuff you ought to see. Yeah. And some, and and some just, darn good stories. Yeah. yeah. And these guys album. from, from yeah. all, all over the country, wherever, let me know you're coming and you're welcome at my house. That's awesome. That's that's super cool. Well, hopefully and, we can make it and, too. And guys yeah. walk in there and they go, oh, Jesus Christ. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but, awesome. You know. Yeah. Heck yeah. And that's I'm great. not done yet. That's great. <laughs> that's well, right. <laughs> I'm uh, every time we do one of these podcasts, it's hard to stay focused. Yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking about elk at one point, and then I hear about desert mule deer, and I'm I know, man, and, and I'm like, well, I do have a desert mule deer tag in my we pocket do. this We're year, so good. we have that going for yep. us. Yep, so that's gonna be awesome. Where for where? Uh, Heart Mountain. We've got the November. We have two of the five uh, no, uh, November Heart Mountain mule deer tags in our pocket. Yeah. So, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, we know the lions have eaten most of the deer, but there's a couple left. Yeah. yeah You're not going to drink this beer, Jerry? No, no right. thank you. Well, no. yeah, he's right. got whiskey there in his cup. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's a real man. Yeah. He's, he's so, drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, once again, we, we appreciate your time. Uh, uh, I've had a ball. Um, one thing before we get off, Idaho Traditional Bow Hunters is oh, raffling yeah. off one of Jerry's bows. Yeah. So uh, look them up yeah. and uh, enter to win one of Jerry's bows because he doesn't build many of them for anybody so yeah so if you guys i'll want post one. that flyer on our uh, instagram page and stuff but if you yeah. want one look up idaho traditional bow hunters yeah, yeah. And that's just a good reminder for everyone listening completely make custom made heck yeah. Yeah. yeah to your you know yeah. and uh for all all the listeners don't forget to uh to become a member of your local traditional archery uh organization most states have them and uh you know, feel free to join Especially traditional arts of Oregon. Oregon. We're working on the old timers. We're going to, at some point, you're going to be able to get on the website and throw your stuff on there and it'll come up. You won't have to print off the old school form. Holy yeah. crap. So yeah, we're getting that pat pushed through here hopefully yep. this month or yep. next so month. So th- get th- on there and support us. Thank you, traditional archers of Oregon, <laughs> for hosting the North American Longbow Safari. We're getting to uh, rub shoulders with awesome guys like Jerry and shooting some arrows and it's an awesome event if you guys haven't been to it it's a longbow wood arrow broadhead event and uh it's well worth your guys' time i it moves around canada and all uh around the west mm-hmm. uh, so look it up um as always we'd like to uh thank kafaru international uh andy ponce over at addictive archery uh, uh thanks to sherwood shafts for keeping the wood arrows uh yeah, in quivers the wood arrows alive yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, you sus- can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. Check us out on our social media. We're on Instagram. Our website, tradquest.com. Yeah, it's hats up. and shirts on there. It's all dialed in, kind of. It's all dialed in. Uh, look, look for uh, more stuff to come. Yep, yep. We'll uh, put we, our stickers on there someday and stuff. Uh, yeah. We've got some more uh, Making Bow Hunting Better episodes coming. Yeah, some great stuff in the yep. works. And once again, keep the wind in your face, pick a spot, yeah. and shoot straight. Slow down. Slow down and slow down. Very sad. Slow down. (laughs)